Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're here to serve you in any way that we can. For more information about our resources or our church, you can check out hope at crossroads.org. Online, you can find access to other resources like devotionals and study books. Thanks again for joining us. And now let's start this week's message. We've been studying it, uh, well, every Sunday, but especially the last few weeks, the book of Hebrews, if you've got your Bible, and you'll turn there to Hebrews chapter 4. We've already had our message in worship and song this morning. I'm so thankful that we had the privilege to have Anna be with us these last few weeks. I trust you'll make sure she knows you appreciate her before you leave today. Um, What a tremendous blessing. And if you find yourself here this morning, uh, tired, not just camp tired, but soul tired, you're in the right place. You know, it is so easy for us, as the writer of Hebrews is going to remind us, to think that we are self-reliant. And we get that hammered into our heads in our Western culture from about the time we can come out of the womb crying. We are pushed to grow up, and no one wants our kids not to grow up. We want them to grow up. We want them to thrive and be the men and women God have called them to be. But oftentimes, we can, if we're not careful can push a mindset that says to them, go become self-reliant so that you can depend on you and you alone. And uh, that's difficult because that's actually contrary to what God's Word teaches. So how do we, how do we juggle this? How do we ride this tandem in which we find ourselves. The writer of Hebrews addresses it, Hebrews chapter 4. Just two quick points that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Next week we will actually look at the latter part of Hebrews chapter 4 because there's just so much here. And he starts this chapter off as he started the last uh, chapter, the way our book of the Bible is divided now. He says, therefore. So it's interesting that the writer of Hebrews, if you've missed a week, Uh, You can either listen to the podcast or you can go back and read the chapters yourself because everything that he is saying is built upon the things that he's previously said. So if you miss what is said before this, then you're going to miss what's coming. And so he says, therefore, basically in light of everything I've said up to this point, verse 1, let us fear lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Let me just stop right there and talk about what he's trying to tell us here. He's talking about, in in last chapter he made reference to this too, the children of Israel who did not enter the promised land, did not enter that place of rest. Why did they not enter? Anybody remember? Disobedient. They didn't believe. They did not believe what God had told them. And it's amazing to me that uh, we can sit in this 
room, you and I, and we can all sing the same worship songs, we can all hear the same message, we can all read the same scripture, we can all have the opportunity to hear from the same Holy Spirit, and some people, when they're in a situation like this, can respond to God and walk out going, wow, amazed, enlightened, drawn closer to God, and yet somebody sitting right beside us can respond and absolutely nothing happen in their heart and life. How does that happen? Well, the writer tells us how it how that happens. Same way it happened with the children of Israel. They, they heard the truth of God, but he tells us it did not profit them because it was, unit, it was not united by faith when they heard it. And when we hear God's word, we have to respond to God's word. It, it is not enough, as much as you hear uh, me as your pastor and Heath and others in this church say this, our small group leaders, Sunday school teachers, it is not enough just to hear God's word. It's not enough. If all you do is hear God's word, and which is pretty much, again, Western culture of Christianity, our buckets are so full of what we have heard, which is fantastic. But until we actually receive what we have heard and we apply it to our lives with faith, the word of God does no good for us. We're just walking around with a lot of head knowledge that's actually not doing us any good. And so the writer of Hebrews is reminding us today that what can happen is we'll never enter into that rest. Now there's a couple of rests that he's talking about. And if you're kind of highlighting these, if you're a person who highlights your Bible, I'm a person who highlights my Bible, writes in my Bible, draws in my Bible. I try to helps me remember what God says to me. There is so many times in the first 11 verses that he uses that four-letter word, rest. And what he's trying to say is, we cannot um, do this ourselves. We cannot be self-reliant. Just as the children of Israel could not do it themselves, and they did not see the promised land, a place that was going to be a place of rest for them, so you and I on this side of that history cannot do things ourselves. We hear it a lot of times in culture. Come on, man, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I heard that as a child from some older people in my life. And uh, our friend Foster Christie was here a few weeks ago, and I won't repeat his message to you, but if you were here, you remembered that one of the key things about what he shared was we operate and we live and we're able to receive what God has given to us because of the grace of Jesus Christ. So the first thing that I would tell you this morning, there are a couple of different options we have when it comes to how we're going to live this Christian life. The first one is we can try to do it all by ourselves and in our own strength, and we can try to rely on our works, try to rely on ourselves. But you'll know if you've been in church any time and you know God's word, you know that your righteousness is like my righteousness. And the Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. So our righteousness is no good. We'll never enter into that rest that God has for us. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all are Jonah, as Ken reminded us. The wages of our sin, the wages of our disobedience, of our unbelief, of our turning away from God, the wages of that, what we have earned is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we can try and try as we might to honor God or to serve God or to bring God happiness by what we do, 
Uh, and, and basically what we're doing when we, when we try to live that way is we are saying that we have the ability with our futile works, if you're following your outline there, our futile works, to, we're going to be able to please God. We're not going to be able to please God with our futile works. That is actually what it is, the second blank there, is it's a flawed response. It's again a lot of what Foster Christie shared with us from God's Word when he was here. It's thinking that we, in ourselves, can please God. There's only one person that can please God, Jesus Christ. And so when you receive the free gift that He's given you by faith, then that's why you're able to please God, because of what Christ has done for you and what Christ wants to do through you. Let me ask you this question. Do you think God loves you more because you had your quiet time, your devotion this past week seven times instead of three times? Do you think God loves you more if you had it seven times and three times? You know how many people operate that way? You're saved from the law. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Because of His righteousness placed on you, you're able to follow Him and live for Him. And then all of a sudden, still we start operating as if what we do is going to turn God's head and give us more attention or more pleasure. He's going to be more pleased with us. He is no more pleased with you if you show up for church 52 Sundays a year or you show up for one. You're going, wow, did you just tell us not to show up for church? That's not what I said. (laughs) We come to church and we do things to honor God because of the goodness of God. Because of His righteousness. Because Jesus Messiah paid the price. We saw an incredible video Wednesday with some of our adults. And we're probably going to share that on one Sunday morning, our friend Don said, please show that on a Sunday morning. It was about the magnificence of God and how you look at the universe and creation, the galaxies and everything God has done. And when you see how magnificent and awesome God is, and you realize that he cares about little old me and little old you, and he gave his life on a cross, it's not that you serve him out of duty. You serve him out of delight because you realize, how can I not serve the one who has saved my soul? It's not because I have to. I have friends of mine all the time that say, how how do you keep running the RPM meters like this for you all the time? Trust me, it's not me. It's not me. And there's times when the RPM shuts down. It did this past week. You know, when you hurt your back and you have to ask your wife to put on your shoes, that's humble. That's humility right there. When you have to say, sweetheart, can you please, I can't bend down. Would you please put my tennis shoes on? That's when you realize getting old is awful. It is not fun. That's the kind of humility we need before an almighty God. And what happens is if we don't operate that way and we're disobedient like the people of Israel and we start thinking, oh, it's all about us, God. We don't need your sacrifice. We can do this on our own. Then we start to make Christianity. Let me ask you this question. Some of you may answer yes. Christianity starts to become transactional and not relational. I thank God that this church believes in pouring into our children and young people. By the way, show me a church that's not pouring into children and adults and young people. I'll show you a church that has a for sale sign out front. So praise God. I love you guys. Thank you for your heart for not the church of tomorrow, the church of today. If we don't pour into children and youth, there will be no church of tomorrow. But the reason so many young people are leaving church is because church for them has become transactional, not relational. And it's 
did I do this? Did I do this? Oh, I missed my quiet time. Oh, I forgot to witness. God must not love me anymore. No, God loves you the same, just like I love my kids, whether they please me or they give me Father's Day gifts or they give me a tie or they give me a Maserati. It doesn't matter. Well, Maserati, I might change my mind. No, I love them the same because they're my kids. God loves you the same because you're his children. And what happened to the people that, that Hebrews is right, that writer of Hebrews is talking about here is they did not mix in faith with what they heard. And if you don't mix in faith with what you hear, you will start thinking that, hey, I can do this on my own. So I wrote down this question this morning. Are you tired yet? See, I think, I think God loves us enough that He will let us just operate trying to kind of earn His love. And he'll just let us stay on that treadmill until we finally just wear out and go, wow, okay. God, I can't do it. And he'll finally go, yeah, finally you realize that. You can't do it. That's why I had to come and that's why I had to do it. Because you can't do it. It's easy to be consumed by that because, you know, we, we hear this in our culture. We earn it so we deserve it. That's called achievement. We earn it so we deserve it. There's also the other thing in our culture... We deserve it, so give it to us. We deserve it even if we can't earn it. It's called entitlement. So what is the writer of Hebrews trying to say very quickly? Let's keep reading. He says this, verse 3. For we who have believed, for those of us who have believed, we enter that rest just as he said, and he goes back and quotes Psalm 95 again as he did in the last chapter. As I swore on my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Talking about the children of Israel. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he is thus somewhere said concerning the seventh day. Also God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter. Why? Because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. There remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Let me read that verse again. There remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did. What is he saying? He's saying, if you remember when we went through the uh, study of Genesis, God did his work, breathed his work, did all of creation, and on the seventh day he rested. And when he rested, by the way, on the seventh day, everything from that point on was finished. He already had in mind, he already knew we were going to be sinful people. He already knew there was going to be a Savior. We already know from our study of Genesis that Jesus was in the, the whole part of creation. Jesus didn't just show up in the New Testament. Jesus and the Holy Spirit have been around since the very beginning because God is three in one and God is three in one from the beginning. So when he said it is finished and he rested on the seventh day, he didn't need to do anything else because the work is done. So what is the writer of Hebrews trying to say? He's trying to say this to us. Verse 10, He who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works. So he's telling us we have an option. We can rely on our works 
or we can rely on something else. We can rely on rest. We can rely on rest, the finished work that God has done in His Son, Jesus Christ. This whole phrase, as I've mentioned to you guys over and over, this whole word, therefore, repeated all throughout, and we'll see it repeated in future chapters, is there for a reason. It's this idea that, hey, I'm getting ready to present a doctrinal truth to you that is rested on and based on everything that I have said previously. And so it's important that we rest. What kind of rest is he talking about here? Well, if you dig into what this word means, it means no longer needing to work. Let's just, uh, isn't that great? What if after today I could say to all of us, you don't have to go to work tomorrow? Yeah. Taken care of. Power bill? Taken care of. Mortgage? Taken care of. House payment? Taken care of. Car payment? Taken care of. Water bill? Taken care of. Food for your teenagers? Oh my goodness. Taken care of. Hallelujah, it's all taken care of. Wow, we would rejoice. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Not practically with those things, but he's saying spiritually, we can sit back and we can rest. Not rest on our laurels. God still has, if you read Romans, God still has a work for us to do. But we rest in not having to try to win God's approval. Church, look at me. If you're a child of God, you already have God's approval. He loves you. He loves you. There's no more you can do to make Him love you more. He loves you, period. Relax, rest. What an incredible gift. Again, this idea is not that there's no longer any place for us to do good works. We read all about that in in other books that Paul wrote. We read about that in Romans. But the idea is there's no longer a place for works as a basis for you and I standing righteous before a holy God. Here's, what, here's some things rest means. Rest means peace with God. Rest means freedom. Rest means deliverance from the burden of the Mosaic law. Oh my goodness, go back and read the Old Testament, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, some of those great books that really make for great reading at night if you're having trouble sleeping. And read some of those laws and things. And you, I mean, some of the details and things that they had to do. We don't have to do that anymore. We can rest in the, the wonderful gift of Jesus. And so we do for God because we have His acceptance, not to gain His acceptance. So here's a couple things about this rest that I think are interesting. The first thing is the rest is fulfilling. It's fulfilling. The rest is there. And it's interesting that he says this this word. Uh, Let's see, what verse was it? He says, enter. For those who enter into that rest, verse 11... Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. In other words, he's saying to you, you can be a believer, don't miss this, you can be a believer, a child of God, saved, born again, going to heaven. You can be a child of God and not have entered into that rest. You can be a child of God, know you're going to heaven, born again, and you can get up and walk out of the door and get in your car and go, okay, I'm going to suck it up, God, I'm going to live for you, I'm going to do everything I can in my power, I'm going to do it. And you're going to get worn out. I know, I've been there, I've done that. So you have to be diligent to enter that rest. It's only fulfilling if you're diligent to enter that rest. In other words, what he's saying is, God's not going to force that on you. If you want to stay on the treadmill of performance and try to please God by what you do and think you're a gift to the party and all the achievements and talents and skills, by the way, that are God-given, that He's given to you, 
make you worthy of His love, then the writer of Hebrews is saying, that's a treadmill you don't need to be on, but you have to choose, I have to choose, to enter that rest. Which tells me this, young people, adults, tells me this. Faith is not a passive thing. If I have to be diligent to enter into that rest, then that means faith can't be passive, it has to be active. And sometimes, just, just personal confession, sometimes the most active my faith has to be is in my brain trying to help me understand and realize that what God says is true. Not what I see, not what culture tells me, not what I hear from all the voices and social media that tells me, but what God says is true. I have to make that happen up here, and when it happens up here, it will happen in here. And so sometimes that's the battle. That's where faith is working. Because he says at the very beginning of the chapter, this is important, he says, because the promise remains of entering his rest, and any of you should seem so that no one of you will... Uh, come short of it. And to come short of it is what? what? What is coming short of the rest? It's falling into disobedience, which is what the children of Israel did. We're not going to rest in the finished work of God. We've got, got this ourselves. So we have to be diligent. Or we'll fall according to the same example of disobedience. We may fall even as the children of Israel fell. So let me wrap up by asking you this. It's a fulfilling rest. It's a final rest. It's done. He's rested. God is on the throne and He is is rested from everything that needs to be done. It's all complete, taken care of, paid in full because of Jesus. So are you resting in the work Christ has for you? Are you... So tired of, of trying that your heart is not able to hear it? How do we rest? How do we, how do we believe? Really, really simple. It's a five-letter word. T-R-U-S-T. Trust. We trust... That the author of this book and the one who paid the price on the cross is a man of his word. And when he says you can rest, it is finished, the debt is paid, all the wages of sin, though it's death, I'm going to give you the free gift of God, eternal life in Jesus Christ in me. Because that is where life is and life abundant. Come and get it. We have to trust that he's a man of his word and that's what he means. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you. We can have rest in you, not because of our achievement or something we've done, but simply, Lord, because of what you've already done. It is finished. It was finished at creation. Even there where God and the Holy Spirit were there, it was finished on the cross again when you made the pronouncement for all the world to see, it is finished. The debt is paid. I paid a debt I could not pay. You owed a debt you didn't know, but Lord, thank you that you paid the price. Help me to rest in that today. Friend, this morning we're going to, while you're praying, 
and your head's bowed, your eyes are closed while you're praying this morning, I just got to be honest. There's been times, and even in the last almost four years of being at this church, I have been so tired. I'm not talking about physically tired. Maybe emotionally, mentally. Yes, maybe even soul, S-O-U-L, soul, tired, soul, weary. Are you tired today? Are you spiritually tired? If you're tired today and you just need to confess to the Lord, Lord, I'm tired. I need to rest in you, in your word. Trust that you are who you say you are. Trust that all these chaotic things that maybe are going on in my life right now that I don't have the answers to, trust that you have the answer, that you're all-knowing, that you're all-sufficient, that you are supreme, that you are the high priest that I can come to. If that's you today and you just say, wow, I, that's me, I, I, am, I am tired. I'm tired. You just, you, you described it well. I didn't even know that's what it was, but I'm tired. Pastor Jack, I'm tired. that's you this morning, I'd, I would be honored to have a prayer for you today. When nobody looking around, we're going to sing an invitation hymn in just a moment. But if you say, that's, that's me. I need to rest. I need to fall into the arms of Jesus because He loves me. If that's you today, would you just quietly, reverently stand to your feet? I just want to have a prayer for you today. You say, that's me. I'm tired. I need to rest in Jesus today. Could be things going on in your life nobody else knows about. That's all right. He knows. He knows. Anybody else, you'd say, that's me. I'm tired. Pray for me. Father, I pray for these friends that are standing. Thank you for their willingness just to stand before you and say, I'm tired. Holy Spirit, I pray right now through your power that you would remind them, that you would remind each person in this room. We are not self-reliant. Every breath we are able to breathe is because it's a gift of you and from you. And so I pray for these friends that are standing. Would you, through your through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you encourage them right now? Would you love on them right now? Would you remind them there is nothing they can do to earn the free gift and righteousness of Christ. That it's, a, that it's by grace. It's free. And help them to rest in that today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You can have a seat. Father, have your way during this invitation. Help us to be obedient. Not like the children of Israel, be disobedient. Help us to be obedient to what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. Anna's going to lead us. Appropriate song for what we've been talking about this morning. If God's moving on your heart and you want to speak or share with somebody, have somebody pray, stand and join us. We're going to sing. My friend Heath, Stephen will be here. If you want to put your roots down in this place called Crossroads and say, hey, I want to be... uh, place right here where I can rest and encourage others. I'd love to have you come let us know this morning that you'd like to put your roots down and make this your church home. Let's sing this song together. Sing it to the Lord. Sing it because you mean it this morning. Let's worship together.
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're so glad that you joined us for the message today. If Pastor Jack or any of our team can serve you, please reach out to us. You can send us an email at jack at hope at crossroads.org or by visiting our website. We would be most grateful to know where you are listening because we have people all over the world listening to our podcast. You can send us a message through our website. We would appreciate your prayers for us as we are in the midst of a building campaign to reach more children and families in our local community in Greenville County, South Carolina. If you would like to help, you can always make your gift online at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads.